minutes 38 remaining. They lead by 10 points. It's Fremantle's game to lose here. Sandaland's the big fist. Oh, look at that field. Somehow, Walter interchange pitch and into his hands. Alright, hello, welcome Jaddy, how are ya? G'day Munyats, good to be back on a lovely Tuesday. Yeah, it certainly is, live from the studios in Brisbane all the way to Dunsra for this episode, where the mighty Dockers 17 goals 14 took down Essendon 11 goals 13. Yeah, so um, seems like we're the comeback specialist these days, especially seeing as we hadn't really come back under Ross Lyon ever, but more than a couple of points. So I think uh, the boys are starting to believe. Yeah, and kicking 100 plus points, which is exciting. Yeah, again, 100 points. So that's a fair few times this year we've done it. Yeah. And the other teams kicked, you know, high 80s or even 100, and we've still beaten them. So the scoring power of rickety cricket is uh, is paramount. Yeah. Well, they're getting um, they're getting a lot of inside 50s, and they're slowly slowly building the score. Looking at the game, it kind of was. A tale of two halves. Did you want to touch on the on the worse of the start and the better of the finish? Yeah, I think I think we were texting each other during the game or among the chats, and I was saying we both got to stop playing terribly for half the game, and it's why we get pumped by you know teams like Geelong and Eagles and Port. Even though the Port game was probably four quarters, <clears throat> but we can't just turn up to play and expect to come back every week, even though we've done it a few times successfully. Just don't go to sleep. Just have bring our worst better to our closer to our best footy, and and we'll find we'll win way more games. Yeah, and definitely compete against the better teams. Yeah, it, re- it really without segueing to this week so much. This and I say that, and then I segue. So we're going to have to show against Richmond that we can actually beat them, yeah. or, or at least compete for four quarters or three and a half quarters or something, and not you know, be blown away in the first quarter and play a bad second and then, you know, salvage the last two quarters and still get done by 40 points. Yeah, we got blown away by their midfield. Um, Merritt took us to town, but then I think in the second half, players like Connor Blakely and Lockie Neal really turned things around. Yeah, it was good that they were the ones driving it. Like, Mundy and Fife weren't necessarily that influential. Like, I think Fife kicked kicked two goals, one was in the first half and one was late and the game was iced. And he sort of had 20-something disposals and was okay without being, you know, dragging us across the line. Whereas the other guys sort of did, Brad Hill and um, a few of those other players that you'd think would be relying more on Fife than on them. Brad Hill kicked us 800 metres across the line. Yeah, 850, I think it was, metres gained, which is ridiculous. How many laps of the oval is that? Yeah, that was crazy. And I remember he got it late in the last and he handballed it, so he really could have got, you know... He's he had a bongo, pump, another 50, yeah, he got the 900. He's obviously not a player, uh, one that watches the stats. Also, coming in with a great second half, which is, we touched on, well, I touched on it uh, when we looked at this game, what was going to be important, and I put some emphasis on Mickey Walters. Uh, at half time. Or just before half time, I text you calling him to be dropped, and uh, he came well, out and just. Well, I'm glad flew. they can't drop anyone during half time break because <laughs> uh, he was pretty important second half. But I think 
I think he's maybe starting to believe a little bit more that he, he can just throw his body around a bit and you'll get the footy. I think I think we've been speaking about this before. He still just plays free kicks all the time. So I don't want him to come to the next Lindsay Thomas, but he can really be that classy midfielder while Neil and Blakely and those guys are more the rough and ready and then Fife and Mundy can roll in and out. He does do it well, but he does look for contact too often. And then as a result of that, I reckon he misses free kicks because umpires, get, yeah. umpires are looking for him to do that and, and they think that it, that's his normal action and they don't want to pay it. He would almost be a video they'd play, I reckon, as an example of, of what to look for when not paying that free kick. I reckon some of the stuff he does is, is pretty bad, but then he'll get genuine high and they just won't pay it. So he does get the raw end. Yeah, there's a lot said about the umpires. I think if you genuinely look like you're playing for the free kick, they're going to probably not give you the line balls. Yes. Whereas, yeah, um, you see other players get those free kicks all the time. Uh, it's, pretty, it's his fault rather than being anyone else's fault, I think. But if he just concentrated on the footy, he'd probably get more of those four-quarter consistency rather than, you know, sucking when he doesn't get a free kick. Yeah. <clears throat> and when he moved out of that forward line, a couple of the new boys stepped up. Yeah, Balak was good, wasn't he? Yeah, um, and But Tucker. then even Kirsten and, and Rickety. Um, Kirsten, I think, cops a lot of criticism because he doesn't kick 10 goals, but he's good in a contest. He's, he's our hit-up, whereas Rickety Cricket's our goal scorer, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Sort of like how Tom Lynch at Adelaide's their, their conduit through, you know, midfield half forward and then he kicks it down to the guy like it bets and um big techs to kick the goals. I think Kirsten's a really good one on one player. Like a couple of times he got poor delivery but was still able to stay in the contest. Like he stays in the contest the whole time. He it seems like a tough player to beat. And Rickety yeah. Rickety taking those two big marks in the last and going back and kicking them. We were missing um a lot of opportunities in front of goals in that last and he took you know, he took the most of his, and to take two marks and gold inside the, you know, in the forward 50 in the last quarter was pretty impressive, I thought. Yeah, he's becoming a bit more reliable with his shots on goal. Like, I remember when he played for GWS that year, he was quite handy for a goal. Um, but then, you know, he's so raw at the start of the year that he often spray things, but he's really getting his groove back. Like, I think he grew again, and we've been talking about this each week, basically, how he's growing. Yeah, the sky, the, almost the sky's the limit now that you've seen what he what he keeps doing. He so. does have a very simple goal kicking action. It reminds me of like a Barry Hall, like it's just very simple, like just runs in and kicks it. Like he doesn't yeah. go slow or anything. He just he just charges in and just has a kick, and it does look quite simple. He doesn't twinkle toes like Josh Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, or, or go back eight miles like Armored Side. <laughs> well, Kennedy, you can comment on, but you can't really knock his goal kicking. Yeah, no, just just that goal style was so weird. Um, <laughs> he's actually gone. Um, what do you reckon about our overall midfield performance? Do you think it was really that was the game of two halves? The midfield not really firing until the second half. Yeah, I think once the midfield got going in the second half, we won a lot more ball. They could they were still rebounding far too easy though. I think they were we were not turning it over, but just losing the contest, and it was just going back in the other direction too quickly, and they were still pretty dangerous. It wasn't until the fourth where we locked it in for long periods of time, but once we asserted ourselves in the midfield, the contest became 
a lot, like far more even, and I think that's where the tides turned. Yeah, I think we just end up still wasting inside 50s. You know, we're getting so many inside 50s consistently, like even against the Eagles where we got pumped. Um, But it it clearly shows that we're wasting them most of the time. So We won the inside 50 count. 56 to 41, and I think at one point during the second half, they were they were well up in inside 50, so they were they were well on top, and so we turned it around to be like 15 plus. So I think we do waste a lot. Yeah, I think if you looked at it, they do these stats that are um, inside 50 efficiency, and I don't yeah. mean like scoring; I just mean like hitting a target or getting a mark or something like that. Ours would be terrible. Like I, I reckon we'd be running at about 30 percent. An efficient inside 50 kick or hand pass. Yeah, definitely. Well, we will move away from this week's game. We'll dive right in. We'll kick it off. We'll start with the Ruffy Club. Um, you might as well yeah, start I'd off. Yeah, I'd love to start with the Ruffy Club, actually. <laughs> um, so uh, you decided to get on Richmond at $3.40, which at one stage looked like a very good bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dogs clawed back. No pun intended, and uh, and got the win. So you have had a loss this week. Missed out by five points. Reminding everyone that our roughy, you know, paying over three dollars for our average bet. Um, you probably could have cashed out at some point there if you wanted to. Yeah, well, you I don't advise to, but um, but it is a metaphorical bet as much as anything. So you can't cash that out, boy. Um, <laughs> you on the flip side, though. Yeah, so I got around the ludicrous odds of Carlton versus Collingwood, both on the same amount of points and both coming up a win, uh, except Carlton was paying $3.20. Yeah. And uh, got on them and they had a big win. So they won by 20 points or something, didn't they? And I just could yeah. not believe those odds last week. Um, <clears throat> the AFL was broken on the weekend, but so was the odds market. So Definitely. Um, I think you had an interesting stat about the ladder positions on the weekend, didn't you? Oh, the yeah. Well, they kept commenting that first round in however many years that every team in the bottom position won, but that was taking into account Carlton, Sydney, Hawthorne, Fremantle, and West Coast. Which you know some some of those games, like the Sydney one, they were firm favourite. Hawthorne, Fremantle, and West Coast were every chance. So. I don't know if that stat was completely relevant. Yeah, I guess the ladder position in round seven is a little bit less important because there's a lot of those teams that will be on three wins or four wins or something like that. Yeah. We were were on the same win-loss as Essendon, except they were above us on the ladder because our percentage is poxy as anything. As always. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But now that we're scoring 100 points, if we can just restrict the other team to like 60, then we'll maybe start climbing our percentage a little bit. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so another win to me, which brings the total to two wins to Juddy and one to Monkey. However, you did win in week one with Carlton versus Essendon at $5. So mm-hmm. your odds have been better than mine, but two wins for three bucks hasn't been too bad. For myself, um, if only we were putting these bets on more realistically. Um, <laughs> Not chucking him in with ten other mar- ten other legs. Yeah, well, we didn't have a win this week, so. <laughs> well, looking um, to this week, then who are you picking up? Look, 
There's not there's slim pickings this week. Um, so I'm going to be a loyal Dockers fan again. And considering I'll be at this game, I'll be able to cheer him on and probably get him over the line because they'll be doing it for Jaddy. Um, but I'm going to go for Freo over Richmond at $3, which yeah. I think is a pretty rough call. Uh, Richmond aren't a bad side. But they're coming off two losses. Like, I'm hoping they're sort of getting it, getting in their head a little bit. Yeah, we're definitely going to touch on that game later on in the app. Uh, for me, I'm getting on the doggies. I reckon they're going to come over and do a similar thing to what they did in the elimination final and roll West Coast. I think the midfield of uh, the Western Bulldogs is going to be too much to handle for West Coast, especially with their ruck stocks. I think they're going to get done. Yeah, they um, they really are struggling in that division at the moment. Um, they've sort of had to change their game plan so much without having a dominant ruckman. So <clears throat> it's sort of a bit of a hit and miss game with them. But I think that's probably a, a really good one. And I think you've stolen the uh, the other good bettable match yeah. there. So all right, so you've got odds of two dollars forty five, and I've got odds of three dollars. And we'll wait and see if you can notch your second win. We'll try. We're going to move on to a new segment that you wanted to start, Juddy, based on some comments made last week. Yeah, I've just been getting more and more pissed off by absolute peanuts in the media saying whatever they want. Maybe they've played football before. Maybe they haven't even. There's several that haven't, I'm 100% sure. And they think they're experts. Uh, They think they're... You know, media kings, and they just mouth off with incorrect or non-factual claims. And I Definitely. think, you know, if, if we if we make it a little bit like AFL, if you want to be in the AFL media and comment on how easy the game is and how bad players are, then, you know, you're going to be scrutinised like the AFL players are. Exactly. So the AFL has the match review panel, and we're going to bring in the media review panel. So the MRP, mate, is going to start operating from this week. Very <laughs> similar. We're bringing a media watch approach to the AFL media pretty much. Which they deserve. They need to be watched. Definitely. They're not trustworthy, mate. So coming in this week, who's who's getting suspended? Well, I don't really know his name, and I don't really want to know his name, but that peanut that started talking about how Pab's comments were racist uh, after he said something about Midland uh, and Mickey Walters being from Midland, therefore he probably did steal um, <laughs> the ball off that player. Besides that just being good banter, Really, is that racist? Is it suburbist, maybe? <laughs> I, I just think that someone is so willing to just make a outrageous call, write up a stupid article. Um, we actually read a really, really good Facebook post response to it um, that I think really, really summed up the whole uh, the whole feeling of what we were talking about. Really, Pav should just not worry about it at all or say, yeah, I didn't mean anything mean. I basically just meant that uh, you know people from Midland are dodgy, <laughs> which they are. I think people from Midland would have loved it. I think it was Dwayne Russell, was he commenting alongside? He brought it up again in the third quarter, and Pav did a really good job of handling it. Um, what, what happened? I, I don't think I caught it. He the brought it back up. In, you know, he said, you can call it what you want, stealing or whatever, but that was simply brilliant by Walters. And then Pav was like, no, well, hang on, I never said he stole. And don't put words into my mouth, and then he just changed it quite professionally, which I thought was good um, by Pav moving on. I probably am slightly, I mean, Pav maybe don't say, but you know that's why he's a special commentator. He's there for those gags. He definitely doesn't deserve that kind of backlash. 
Yeah, and I think, um, okay, I found it. So uh, I found the Facebook comment, which I'll read out. So Rob Gibbard on the Bell Tower Times has said, WA Today journalist Brendan Foster could find himself in hot water for his careless published gap about Dockers legend Matt Pavlich. Foster, who should retire at the end of this season after a forgettable career. Well, mate, he's going to get suspended as well this week, so <laughs> his career might be on the line. was listening to 6BR when some idiot made a baseless allegation of racism against the Dockers legend. Rather than giving the matter any independent thought, Foster stole the misapprehended point for his own article without considering that. Turning a comment about a suburb into a story about race speaks only to the inherent racism of the order and says nothing about the decorated skipper. But, yeah, basically this goes on to talk about how much of a peanut this guy is, and I completely agree. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely he, he needs a couple of weeks. I reckon that's a couple of weeks. I reckon we'll, we'll call that um, intentional. We'll call that... Um, high contact. Oh, yeah, definitely high contact. High force. Um, and and really, it, it was intentional and it was reckless as well yeah. and retarded. So. He can uh, he can have three weeks on the sidelines for that, uh, and um, and you know hopefully he really thinks about what he's done on his time off. Did you have any nominations this week, I or did. any uh, any citations? I should say. Uh, yeah, another nomination, and another guy who comes up on this show far too much, probably to do with uh, shout out to Jared, the only person who ever asks us questions, but every question is around <laughs> this Elliot Yayo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, being compared to Bond and Pelly, and people looking forward to the matchup between those two. Um, not sure why he keeps getting this much credit and where it comes from, but he was the segue into the Ten News preview for the game, the big Yayo versus Bond and Pelly. So I'm not sure how a 21 year old captain of the Bulldog Premiership player gets put in. Um, that bracket, but he would probably respond the same way that Nat Fife did to those claims and ask, who is Elliot Yeo? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's probably the case. I mean, not only is he a WA player, but you know, he has a, he's had a few good games at the start of this year. He actually has been quiet in two or three, so he's had like four or five good games, and they've been very good. But people are so quick to just extrapolate into, yeah, he's probably going to win the Brownlow and all this stuff. He so. is quite high in the coaches' award, so he is, which, you know, but you can't just put together three or four good games and get thrown in. And I can't even say his name probably, so I'm sick of talking about him. <laughs> yeah. But we're obviously wearing our Dockers goggles on this. Um, particularly bit. after he was scragging our boy Fife, and then people started saying he's better than Fife. Yeah. Like, well, anyone that tackles you without the ball is probably going to get some more ball than you. <laughs> but um, it's, it's really, uh, I think it's just classic beat up of, you know, someone plays a few good games and suddenly, you know, the Brownlow medalist specialists. I think it's, it's, it's unintentional, but it's reckless. So he's going to have to get a week. Yeah, I think at least a week. Um, and, and then some carryover points as well. So Definitely. That, you know, so his next, his next uh, indiscretion will be harshly dealt with. I'll be watching but... him like they watch Green. <laughs> yeah, watch him like a hawk, mate. Um, all right, good. So that's that's uh, the MRP session. I don't I don't think we'll have to go to the tribunal on those. I think they'll accept those uh, sanctions. Wait to hear from them. But we move on now to a very exciting week of football for the Dockers, and I'm keen to dive in, especially because you're going to be there, Juddy. Uh, earlier on in the year, you weren't too excited, but you must be pretty excited to get down to the MCG to watch the Dockers take on Richmond. Yeah, I really am now. That's built up into a game where. 
you know, could could be really um, finals-like if we rock up. I think it's going to come down to if we rock up. Yeah. Uh, and I think the absolute major thing is we need to be, you know, within a goal at quarter time. <clears throat> we have to be within striking distance at quarter time because if they're 30 points up or 25 points up, goodbye because then everything has to go right for us. Yeah. Um, so really I'm hoping for a big first quarter and – Often we know how they're going to play after the first quarter. Yeah. These are the same yeah. points we seem to bring up every time they travel and play. But it but it comes up. It should come up every time because it's correct. I read an article and Lockie Neal was talking about how it's crucial that they work on their starts because their starts have been a bit poxy recently. And yeah. I mean, they, they obviously know these things as much as we know these things. So like Ross Lyon doesn't not see the first half and think, oh, that's pretty crap. So um, Richmond were a six and O team, yeah, and now yeah, they've dropped to they've come down, haven't they? Dropped to six and two, so they're going to come out with even more aggression to to start yeah. the game well. So that's probably we're not expecting massive things from them, but it would be nice if we stay in the contest. Richmond are a quality team um, at home, so they've got a lot to answer for. But I mean, if we get up in this game, it's interesting to think that that means we've beaten Melbourne, Essendon, and Richmond which are teams that you would consider to be roundabout and they're about the eight. Yeah, particularly Melbourne and Richmond. I think Essendon's probably in that, you know, ninth to 12th category at the moment. Yeah. But um, I completely agree with those other ones. And then, and then if you look at uh, Bulldogs as well, so there's a couple of teams in the finals that I would never have had us, you know, in finals calculations that I wouldn't have had us beating. Uh, so it's an interesting sort of a outlook that we can knock these teams off, or some of these good teams, but well, not all of them. For that matter, it becomes like a game where, as one of our our senior players, they have to ask themselves when when the rebuild, you know, how long do they want it to take? How long are they going to? This this game's not it's not do or die, but it's almost like a where do you want this season to end? You know, do do you want to finish? Ninth, tenth, eleventh, or twelfth, or do you want to go to Melbourne and win these critical games and watch this team grow, and you know try get this young team to play a week in finals because that would that would seriously propel our growth if if we can if we can finish thereabouts or even maybe sneak in. I think it'd be great for our growth. So those, I think those senior players are going to have to ask the question. Yeah, look, it's uh, if we if we beat Richmond, we actually move for the same amount of wins as them, which is outrageous considering the start of the year. Yeah. It's it's a tough one, but I think you know you don't want to you don't want to let expectations get ahead of you. But you've got to look at the the reality of if we win. And I mean, it's fine if we if we lose, we can still look at positives. And it's not it's not doom and gloom. But you got to you got to look at what happens if we win. Yeah, it's it's a tough one for us because we're going to start getting carried away pretty quickly, which yeah. is fine. I like doing that, and I like getting very excited about things, but. We have to really keep the temper on it because I think I still stand by our, you know, probably November, December draft time conversation where we're saying that we probably want Freo to be competing for but not necessarily making the finals this year. Yeah. And say we miss out by a percentage or hopefully not percentage because that would be pretty rough, but by a game or by, by a game and some percentage, something like that. So we were in the picture until, you know, around 2021. But then it just, you know, we, we get knocked off at the end or something like that. I, I think that's a win, yeah. a big win. Uh, 
the way we're going though, I think Ross Lyon is really good to not put a uh, not put a ceiling and not put a floor on our season. Yeah. So he's saying, look, we're not necessarily going to make finals, and we're not we're aiming to make finals, but we're not saying that's the only thing we can do this year. Yeah. So. Oh, I just don't want to get those those finals tingles again. No, no. But, I did, yeah, it's – I mean, it would be great if we – and it would just be good to have a good showing in a, in a critical game. Like we go over to the MCG and we just hope it's not another, you know, Port Adelaide or, or Geelong showing because you, you want to show against the good sides. Yeah, particularly if you remember uh, this is the sort of game last year or the year before. So not last year. We lost every game last year. But year before, where we'd have a big game and we'd stumble a bit, and it yeah. sort of just just gave us that you know inkling of doubt in the back of our mind, even though we were a good side. So these are sort of ones that if these kids can you know rally from being down in the last quarter, or at least not give up and you know make it you know a one goal game or a two goal game, or something yeah, like that, rather than just growing. rolling over and it going twenty points. So looking to this week for team <clears throat> predictions. Um, I suppose in the mix, again, Collins, he didn't have uh, as good a game as he did last week, but he still had a good showing. He could possibly replace maybe an Ibbotson or someone else down back. And then D. Pierce, I think he had 35 touches. Yeah, so Pierce had 35 and a goal and lots of inside 50s, which probably didn't hit the target, but he had an absolute ripper game. Up 50 um, and inside 50. I'm not too sure who Pierce comes in for, though. To be honest, so would, would he rest a like a Balik? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. So it'd probably be a managing a younger kid to bring him in. You know, if Tucker was getting sore or something like that, rather than a dropping. Yeah, but I think Ibbotson has been just so disappointing recently. So can we talk about Ibbotson quickly? So on the weekend, we were all up in arms when he tackled someone, got holding the ball, and we're like, "Oh yes, Ibbo did something good for once." He then continued to stand there, not doing anything, not moving the ball on, and then got run down and done holding the ball from a mark. So it's like, or well, from a free kick. So it's that like, is, come on, mate. Like, do you want to try any less? That you play, literally had 10 seconds to try and figure out who to kick it to. That play there, and then um, a Dockers player, two Dockers player chasing an opposition, one player goes for the tackle, misses it, slides in and knocks out the other Docker player. So a two-on-one becomes a one-on-none. That's our, that's another yeah. favourite Docker player. My other one is like McFarlane diving over the line trying to stop a goal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there's so many times where in marking contests we smack into each other the ball just rolls out the back to the small forward. That Ibbotson holding the ball was just like cliché, terrible Docker. It was Dockers of 2001, wasn't it? Definitely. Just like, oh, my God, how did that happen? Like scenes of Connolly in the box. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't enjoy it, mate. I think, uh, I think it's time that Ibo had a run. And look, if he goes, it's like a confidence thing, maybe. Yeah, definitely. He needs, to go, he needs to go down and just take like 10 marks in a game, get like 22, 23 disposals, I mean. Um, and just sort his sort his confidence in his footy out, and then after he does that twice, come back in. We don't, we don't hate you. Well, I hate yeah. you at the moment. Yeah. But but you're really costing us, man. Definitely. And when you're costing the team, I think it's what has to happen. So we're not talking to drop him because he's. A, I don't think he's a bad player. He's a great player. But you want him playing his best footy, and you've got to look at how to do that. And I think dropping him is key. I don't think Collins can replace him for the rest of the season. But I think it'd be great to throw Collins in 
either him or Hamling get to run around on Rewalt, you know, give the for a big game, yeah, yeah exactly. I think, I think Hamling will go, old Tamling will go to him, but it'd be it'd be pretty good to to do something like that to Collins. I think you know. Mate, it's one of those things where he's been burning up in the twos. Go, look, mate, we think I'm bringing you in this week and we're probably going to play you on Rewalt for a quarter or two. Yeah. And if he, go, if he goes similar to Blakely saying, yeah, I'm up for the challenge, mate, tag me on Bond and Pelly and all these guys. If Blakely goes, yeah, mate, I'm, I just want to do whatever. Yeah. Like, let me free. S- set me free, boy. <laughs> but if they do that, then, you know, who knows? The worst case scenario is Rewalt kicks a few goals, which you probably will anyway. So. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's time to bring him in. Yeah. And so probably the two at the top there are um, Pierce and, and uh, Collins. The other guy who's been playing pretty well is like a skillful defender is uh, Luke Ryan, um, indigenous kid, I think. He's been playing in Peel. So he's another one that we could start to look at, but I think he's still pretty raw. Yeah. However... He's starting to, like, if there's something we need, it's a skillful defender. Definitely. Yeah, I think our back six, they've been, <clears throat> they have been copying a lot of football, but there is room to change and change in there and, and possibly, hopefully, this week. Um, any final predictions on what you think has to happen or what will happen? Well, look, I think Blakely is a really good matchup for Dusty Martin, considering yeah. he played on Bond and Pelly, like a strong, tall midfielder. So I think Blakely needs to go to Bonton. Sorry, to go to Bonton early. Go to Dusty Martin early. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to score well in the first half, such the first quarter, uh, and make sure we're in it at halftime. Not burn too many tickets wasting the ball, and and really just make sure we don't give them these easy goals that just makes you know our life so much easier on the rebound. So. I think it's a lot to do with how we play rather than, you know, oh, I really hope Rewalt doesn't kick five. I think Rewalt just benefits from the team yeah. giving him these opportunities. And a lot of his opportunities are from deep in the forward line. So if we can prevent them from getting it so deep and fast into the forward line, suddenly I think we'll be a lot better chance. Yeah, looking at your prediction, on the back of that, I think what will happen is uh, old Rickety Cricket will have to book in a bit of oversized baggage because I reckon he's going to come back with a big bag. I'd love him to kick five. Yeah, I really, really wouldn't want him to kick five or six, get the half dozen. I think it's this week, and he's going to do them all on Alex Rance. I'd love to do it on Alex Rance. I think we're going to have to be really careful against Rance because Rance backs his read of the ball, so he won't stay on your man and let you lead no. him to the ball. He'll go, no, that ball's going there, I'm going there. And so basically particularly if someone like uh, two more years, Daniel Pierce comes in, he'll go, oh, Daniel Pierce has got the ball. Yeah. I'm running directly towards the middle of the ground where his high kick is going to go. I'm going to spoil or probably mark it. Yeah, the same will happen to, with McGovern gonna, will happen. Exactly, again. exactly. So going to have to be – he plays a little bit like McGovern except he's more a reader of the ball um, to spoil or come across and be third man rather than to come across and take an intercept. But he's a really good reader of the ball, so we're going to have to be so smart with that inside fifties, or else your boy Rance is going to have an absolute field day. Well, best of luck down there, Juddy. We'll leave it at that, and I suppose we'll get to do a great big episode after you return from the live football. You'll have all the ins and the outs. Mate, mm, I make notes. Yeah, make notes on how Brad Hill finds that much space. Yeah, look, I might, I might just watch him for like ten minutes. 
period or something. I just mean, see get, how much of the, the ground he covers. You'll get tired watching him, but look forward to it. Yeah, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing him on the wide expanses of the MCG where he cut us up so many times. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Juddy. It's been a pleasure, Ben. All right. See you All later. right, mate. We'll reconvene after the game. Too easy. <laughs>